You're listening to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. As always, it's great to be with you. Um, we just, we're just thankful for the opportunity to freely share the gospel. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Um, no uh, accident that we're here. We're actually, our reading plan is the church for our discipleship groups and for anybody that's just following along is this is right in the middle of where we're reading this this past week and um, just want to through the leadership of, of God's Spirit to be right here and we're going to in a moment we're going to be looking at verses 15 to 32 and as you kind of get your place there and get settled you know I, I think about um, here recently I've thought about just things that I um, personally would like and we, uh, we went down to um, attend a wedding for a family member yesterday in South Carolina, and while we were there, I just uh, I was thinking about some things. I talked to some folks uh, that I have known my whole life, got to see them. It was kind of cool, and I was thinking, you know, I, there was a time in my life, and even at moments, <laughs> I struggle now that if I could do what I wanted to do, you know, because. Kings Mountain, although it's become home to us, this is not where I'm from. My brother lives about three, less than three miles from the greatest fishing lake <laughs> in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. I would probably be living closer than that if I could. But it's amazing how God works on you. Because there was a time when my flesh ruled my life. Then God came and arrested my life. And if you're saved today, he did the same thing in your life. Um, and, he, and he rescued you from sin. He put his spirit within you. And he now bridles your life. But the flesh we still struggle with, but the closer we are to him and the further along we go, the less the struggle is. It's almost as if he's even transforming an unredeemable flesh, but the spirit becomes greater than the flesh. And it's almost as if the flesh is now starting to want some of the things that God wants. But I believe it's the spirit lording over the flesh. And that's why we to crucify ourselves daily. But, but it's like that thing is happening and I got to think, I was thinking about my life here for the gospel's sake. Because that's why I'm here. It's for the gospel's sake. Had a, um, uh, a ministry that we, are, we support, and I was wanting to be, be a part of helping volunteer in that ministry. And so, got a conversation uh, started from somebody from that ministry wanting to check up on me. It's not about me, it's about the gospel. And uh, was being evaluated, wanting to know what um, denomination I was from. 
my answer to that has been the same for a long time. Jesus got me before Baptist got me. And Jesus will have me when Baptist is burned up. Because all the signs and all the placards, all those things are going to be gone. There's not going to be sections in heaven. You know, there's a lot of jokes about those things, but there's not, I don't read of any sections in heaven. And, and we just got to, as I progressed on, the gospel was a priority in the conversation. But what gospel? I um, was asked what I believed about eternity, roundabout, and I so I was like, well, what I believe about eternity here on this earth, the Bible says in Hebrews that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. When somebody departs from this earth through death, the, the decision for their eternity is settled, I believe the Bible teaches. And that the, the Bible gives us the truth that without Jesus Christ as their Savior when they depart from here, they're eternally cast away from God in torment, away from God's grace, that they'll spend eternity in a place where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not. And that person didn't believe that. They believed that there was going to be another chance after death here on this earth until the judgment comes that they would have a have chances it'd be better that way because Jesus would be with them face to face I say that to say to you that the gospel is not a game the gospel is not a game the gospel is serious as a matter of fact, the gospel is what saves people. Paul, I'll read it here in a moment, says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it's not just any gospel, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the, to anyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. That anybody that would believe in Christ, that the gospel is there to save them. And that's why we cry out with the gospel. That's why we share the gospel, because the clock is ticking. Time is going by quickly, and there is an impending decision that needs to be made. And so this morning, I want to take, and I want to look at the gospel here. And, and we're going to take verses 15 through 32. I want to read them through just so that we get it. I know it's a lot of scripture, but I want to read them through. And then I want to just set the stage to, to give you the expanse of everything between verses 16 and 32 and then we're going to at the end I want to cap off with verses 16 and 32 kind of put the parentheses around everything and, and pull it all together so the Bible says in verse 15 says Paul says as much as is in me I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God the salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. 
because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, the Bible says, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That's something that I think is imperative that you take with him. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Uh, then verse 26 says, For this reason God gave them up to a vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Let's just pray. Father, today, God, as we open your word, and, and I just pray that you would today give us the, the ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. In a, in a time in which we are living in a world that we've never known, not that it's never been this corrupt before in the world. As a matter of fact, many people have dealt with corruption far greater than what we deal with now, even though our time, I believe, is coming. Nevertheless, God, let us not be an island unto ourselves that we have a mission and a commission is to share the gospel with, with everyone that's out there, that we would uh, share the gospel with them, that we would baptize them, that we would teach them. And Father, but as we meet, though the world may seem to be in chaos around us, let us realize that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will not fail. We cannot falter. The spirit that lives within us will, will stand up in us, keep us firmly planted, that we would love like you love the world, but that we would hate what you hate. With, with not our own hatred, our own wrath, but, but that we would come in agreement with your detest of sin. And may it be for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. The gospel, it's not a game. The gospel is what saved me. And if you're saved today, it is the gospel that saved you. 
Paul says here that the gospel is the power of God, once again, unto salvation. Did you know, the, know that the gospel is what communicates the truth of God? In this world today, and, and, and I would just go so far as to tell you this, that this book is all about the gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in our world today, the gospel communicates the truth of God. In other words, it communicates who God is. And today I want to just zero in on his righteousness. As a matter of fact, I believe his righteousness in this text is revealed in the gospel is what it says. Uh, listen again, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for, it is, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It says that in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. In other words, when, when we look at the gospel, when we study the gospel, and I'll just say this, that you and I are saved by the gospel, we're sanctified by the gospel, and we'll be glorified by the gospel. That it, that it is everything that we have in Christ Jesus. It is who God is, and God is a righteous judge. Some of us would question sometimes whether God is right in doing something, but no matter how much you question it, it never makes him wrong. The Bible teaches us, and if you believe the Bible, the Bible says that God is right and there is no wrong in Him. He was right yesterday, He'll be right today, and He'll be right forevermore. So when God brought judgment upon uh, nations before, He was right. When God sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins, that those that would believe in Him would have eternal life, He's right. When God decrees things, that, that, that we should not do and that are an abomination to him, he's right. Listen again that, and think about the fact that the righteousness is revealed in the gospel. I just want you to hear that text one more time. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And what is the core of our faith? The core of our faith is trusting who God is, that we believe that he is who he says he is. Uh, just this week we were shared in the nursing homes on Wednesday and Thursday. And I just wanted to encourage them, and, and out of our reading time, I just wanted to encourage them because Paul was trying to encourage here in chapter 1 even, uh, and I'll just say verse 12, that it, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and of me. At the nursing homes, you have to be kind of quick because some of them are medicated, you know, and it's not going to last long. You've got you to get maybe 17, 18 minutes, but you better shoot for 15 because they're going to go to sleep on you. Um, you know, and that's okay. That's, that's their, they're in that season of life right now. And that, that's it. But what I did was I just simply said, I said, how many of y'all believe that God created the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, the men that walk on the earth and the women that walk on the earth, that God created it all? You know, and these little old hands go up, you know, yes, we believe that. I said, how many of y'all believe that man sinned and fell away from God? They're all in there. So how many of you believe that God sent Jesus Christ to be born of the Virgin Mary? And they raised their hands. I said, it was such a shock to them that God had to send some messengers to help, help them. Some angels that said, just calm down, don't worry. Joseph, it's okay. Take Mary, what is in her is from the Holy Spirit of God. And we went on. I said, how many of y'all believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life in the hands? How many of you believe that Christ died in the hands? They buried him in a tomb, the hands. 
I said, how many of y'all believe that he's alive today? He got up out of that tomb and the hands went up. I said, how many of you believe that he ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the throne of God? I said, how many of y'all believe he's coming back, man? And they were just about to rejoice at that point. I said, I just wanted to come up here and get excited with you. Paul said, I wanted, to, I wanted to go to Rome. I wanted to be with you because I wanted to not only encourage you, but I wanted to be encouraged myself. And how were they encouraged in their mutual faith? And let me just say this, that if you're here today for a Boy Scout meeting or a Girl Scout meeting, you're in the wrong place. But we are here today to, be, to glorify God as who he is. We're here to take, let his word take, and spirit take a hold of us today and, and, and have us different going out the door than was when we come in the door. That's why we're here. And so you and I can be encouraged. When they were singing that song, uh, the second song they did, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Amen. Right? And fear is a liar with a smooth and velvet tongue. You know, deceiver. Right? But greater is he, what, that's in me than he that's in this world. I'm telling you right now that that is the, the righteousness of God is what provides that for us because we know that we have no hope without him. It's revealed in the gospel. Righteousness is repressed in sinfulness. That righteousness, the righteousness of God is repressed in sinfulness. I want to show that to you. He says, for the wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The truth, righteousness of God is suppressed in what? Unrighteousness. So as we, as we live our lives, and, and I'm just going to say at the moment for every person on the face of this earth, the more you entertain sin, the less you entertain righteousness. For the lost person, there is, and, and, and I'm speaking as one who has been rescued out of the darkness into his marvelous light. I'm not above anybody else. It was not my righteousness that got me to where I'm at. It was not my ability to choose things and do things and all this. For God who started a good work in me will see it through till the day of completion. I, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's God doing all the work, but don't miss out on the fact that if you're saved today, you were saved out of darkness. And if you were still in darkness, you would be going further and further into sin. And what God does is he begins to allow you to go further and further and further and further. As a matter of fact, I believe in something that's called the restraining grace of God. Now that's a term that we have coined, but I believe it's biblical that God even shows us in Romans chapter one, <coughs> that he will take and he will lift if you, as if you will, a finger off of you and allow you to go a little further and a little further. Aren't you glad that on this earth God never lets any man do all that he could do. I, and I just say that to say Adolf, Adolf Hitler did not accomplish everything that was in his heart to do. He was stopped. And I'm just saying that you and I have such propensity within us to do things so wicked. And we look at people and say, well, they're so wicked, but they could be more wicked if our depraved hearts were not restrained by the grace of God, so that if you're not someone who has committed such atrocities in this world, be thankful that the restraining grace of God kept you from doing that. And that's for lost people and saved people. But then God saves you. God changes you. All I want you to understand, listen, listen, as a matter of fact, let's, let's just read a little further and see the progression 
Because what may be known of God, verse 19, is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world is invisible, attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And it's almost as if when God created the world, He put His hand in a glove. God is spirit, and, 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 and so, to, to, so that we might see a form of God. We might see God's character, see God's uh, kindness, God's creativeness. And who God is, it's almost as if God stuck his hand into the glove of creation. And if you want to see God today and be without excuse, all you have to do is walk out into the woods and stop for just a moment. Listen to the birds that sing. Watch the squirrels crawl across limbs. Listen to the leaves blowing the wind. Go down to the seashore and watch what happens for a moment. I believe one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us so busy in our daily lives that we don't stop for just a moment to realize that there is a God in heaven that created everything that's here. And there's a God that created us. And he says that we're without excuse because of the fact that God has screamed to us through the creation. But we have deafened our ears through the repression of sin and unrighteousness. And, and, and the progression goes on and on and on. But I must go on so that we can get out of here. The gospel declares judgment upon sin. The gospel declares judgment upon sin. Th those are words that are taboo in a lot of arenas today. One of those arenas being in probably the leadership forums of this country. Judgment and sin. Those are not words that are spoken freely of in the White House. Those are words that are not spoken freely of in Congress and in Senate. In our school systems, in many of our public school systems, not so much. Our, our, our school board meetings and, and, and everywhere we look, it seems that the truth of Romans chapter 1 is, is becoming more and more prevalent in every day of our lives. That we're constantly as a society going anti-righteousness and pro-unrighteousness. And God says that there's coming a time when it's going to stop. And I know about what's coming, but did you know that I believe that there is a fostering temporal judgment today? In other words, there is as if God, yes, it seems that he has taken a back seat to a lot of folks. Because if God is upset with the things that are going on, why is he not doing anything? Would you, anybody agree with that? I mean, I mean, honestly, in our flesh, even the psalmist said one time, he said, Lord, I look around and I see the prosperity of the wicked. How there seems to be no pain in their death and how it seems that they prospered everything. He said, I, and, it, and it was almost too much for me to bear. He said, until I went into the house of the Lord, he said, then I realized their end. It was the righteousness of God that drew him back to a reality that this is coming to an end. But while it's going on, don't think that God's judgment is not already brewing. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says that the wrath of God is being heaped up, is being built up on ungodliness, on those that practice such. Listen to some words here. Verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You see that? God's judgment is progressing on them. And, and, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man 
birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also, listen, gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is, for what is against nature. Likewise also the men leaving the natural use of woman burned in lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty. Listen, in themselves the penalty of the error. There are ways. Think about it. If you want to know that God's judgment, there, there is a fostering, there is a type of judgment that God is allowing here on this earth before He gets to the last judgment. Go get drunk. That's why they sell remedies for hangovers. And I'm not telling you something I don't know about. I, I just got to the point of where I just went to work drunk. Not proud of that, but I'm just saying that, that, that there was something to deal with because of my lifestyle of sin. I watch commercial after commercial on the TV that tells you of things that you can take when you live in illicit lifestyles, ha having sexual relations outside of what God has determined is right. And that there are pills to take to get off of you what you got on you. That's judgment. But see, there's going to come a time when you're not going to be able to take a pill. You're not going to be able to talk to some psychiatrist. You're not going to be able to, to, to get some cream or get, get some help with something. You're not going to be able to get rid of the judgment. Because not only is there a fostering temporal judgment, there is a final coming judgment. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That Jesus Christ... That our redemption in Jesus Christ was Jesus Christ bearing the sins of the world. That He took our chastisement, our punishment upon Himself. And the Bible says that by His stripes we are healed. And I believe that that is the fact that He took our sin debt upon Him. And now that you and I are set free from the bondage of sin through Jesus Christ. The enjoyment of sin is just a recess from certain realities. That's something we need to know because recess stops one day. And I believe recess stops. For those that die without Jesus Christ, it stops then. Those that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, there is coming a final redemptive judgment where he is going to set everything straight. As a matter of fact, verse 32 says this of chapter 1, Romans, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice. And I, I want to make sure that I say something to you so that I do not forget to say this, because the truth of the matter is if you keep reading... On to chapter 3, you're going to find out that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None righteous, not one. That, that, in other words, everybody is deserving of death. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. We, we, we know that. So then, how is Paul walking free? 
Because Paul commits sin also. He says things I want to do I don't do and things I do I don't want to do. It all comes down to this, this word we have in verse 32. It's the word practice. And that means a habitual, consistent, like a lifestyle of these things. In other words, if somebody lives a lifestyle of the immorality that's listed there, they live that lifestyle, they are under the judgment of God and death is, is knocking at their door. Not just physical death, but spiritual death is knocking at their door. But for the child of God, there, there is this thing called conviction. And you and I, I put it to you this way, same way I did in the first service. If you want to know if your pastor has the ability to sin, live with me for a week. Come and live with me for a week. Because I'd have to say, just as Paul says, but by the grace of God, go high. What's the difference then? I can't live a lifestyle of habitual sin, not because I'm better than anybody else, but because the Spirit of the living God won't let me. Hebrews chapter 12 says that all those that He loves, He chastises. And see, we get our minds warped sometimes thinking about the love of God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So God loves everybody. In a redemptive sense, yes. But then He says that all those He loves, He chastens. And if he doesn't chasten you, you're illegitimate. Well, so what does that mean? Well, if A plus B equals C, we have to go back and say <coughs> that if he doesn't chastise you, he does not love you in the same sense that he loves those. And those are the ones that are his. And so there is this love that he has given to his people because of their belief in him, their faith in him. And if you're a child of God today, he has given to you the spirit of God to convict you. Because he is drawing you closer and closer to himself, but there is a distinction between you and the others. The gospel releases sins captives. I'm about to get ahead of myself. But the gospel releases sins captives. Paul says, For the I am not ashamed of the gospel. He says, For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So the gospel releases sins captives. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel is powerful to save. That ought to get an amen. If anything gets an amen, that ought to get an amen. The gospel is powerful to save. But it is the gospel of Christ that is powerful to save. They will let you say and do anything you want to in this world. But if you tag the name of Jesus Christ to it, you better believe that you are going to be up under the wrath of man at that point. But be, good, be of good cheer, my brothers and sisters, because he has overcome this world. You can, you can steadfastly stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to speak his name. That's what Paul says. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he also tells us that if any man preach to you another gospel, let him be accursed or anathema. That there is but one gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't take Christ out of the gospel and you can't have a gospel without Christ. Not one that saves. I believe the power of the gospel has so compelled us that our lives are transformed to the degree that we love the truth that has freed us more than sin that once bound us. It's powerful. It's powerful when it's accurate. 
There are many, many, many people today that want to promote a gospel of the fact that God is nothing but love. It's just peace, love, and flower power. We don't want to speak of judgment. We don't want to speak of sin. We don't, but you can't speak of that, the righteousness of God, without speaking of those. Because if God's right, that means man's wrong. Unless man is lined up with him, but man won't be lined up with him unless he lines him up with him. And so it's always God that is right. And once again, just to nail it down, the only reason that I could possibly be right is because I'm lined up with God who is right. And so God's right in whatever he does. And we have a hard time thinking about that because we, we want to, it's, it's hard when people around you, if you're living for Christ and they are living with the world and, and they want to do things that you know are displeasing to God and the struggle becomes real, but you don't want to lose their friendship. You don't want to lose them as a, you know, in their family. And, and, and it gets hard, especially even if it's your children or your grandchildren. Or, it gets hard, does it not? <coughs> it was hard for Peter one time, too. As a matter of fact, they, they drug Peter up before council and said, stop preaching in his name. You stop preaching in Jesus' name. And as Vody Balkum says, if you want to translate that, this is what Peter said. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. And then it says that they threatened him, and then they released him. They threatened him more, and they released him. And, and I love, I was listening to him with this, and I'm like, I just like, yeah, that's it right there for me, man. So they, they said, stop preaching in his name. He goes, uh-uh. Then they turn around and they said, he said, uh-uh. Tell him we'll take everything he's got. They're going to take everything you got if you don't stop preaching in Jesus' name. He's like, well, everything I got belongs to God anyhow, so we're okay. You stop preaching in his name or we'll kill you. Peter's response would be, you mean like you killed Jesus? And he got up from the grave. See, you, you can't threaten a dead man. And that's the problem with us in the gospel today is our church is not full of dead people. See, we are to die to ourselves and live to Christ. Paul said, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it is not who I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have no choice. And if you're a child of God, you have no choice. We've just never been threatened with it. But it's here. There are people that are being threatened every single day in the workforce. You say, how? Listen to verse 32 again. And knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things deserve death, not only do those same, but also approve of those who practice such. And they'll come to you in the workplace, and they'll tell you that now you have to start calling this person who is a female something different. You go, I can't acknowledge something like that because God said that in the beginning he made them both male and female. Jesus didn't die for a it. He died for people who he created. And you can be as confused as you want to about who you are, but God knows who you are. 
and who we are sinners that need a righteous God to save us and redeem us. It's powerful to save us, prioritize to believers the gospel. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So we don't believe in universalism around here. Everybody's not going to be saved. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that many in that day he will say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And those, will be, those are the church folks professing to be able to do things for Christ. He said that narrow is the gate that leads to life, and there are few be, that, that find it. Broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many go in, therefore. Many go in, few go in. And I'm afraid one of the reasons that we have so little power in the churches today is because the gospel is not right. The gospel is not being preached correctly. The gospel is not being lived correctly. Many want to talk about getting deeper in Christ. They want seven ways to have a happy marriage. I'll give you one way to have a happy marriage. You die to yourself and you live to Christ. You'll be able to forgive your wife and your husband because you'll realize that if you don't forgive them, you have no right to be forgiven. You'll love like Christ did. And if you want to know how Christ loved, look in the mirror. Every time I look at myself and examine myself, I wonder why he loved me. Because there's nobody on this earth that was such a treasure that he wanted to just get you so that he could put you on a shelf so that he could sit back and admire how beautiful you are. But what he admires and what he loves and what he desires is the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he's after. So for me to say, am I beautiful? There is beauty within me. That this flesh will leave, but he's going to make a new. And it's the righteousness of Christ. It's always Christ. And I repeat, it's always Christ. It is Christ. Christ is the reason that we will die for this. Christ is the reason that people will be shunned. Christ is the reason that we'll go through, I believe, continually growing anxieties in this world. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know why? Because he's the only one really that cares about those things and the ones that do seem to care on this earth because I think I try to care for my wife but I can't care for her in my own because I really don't understand it but I care for her in the spirit of the, of, of the Lord that I care for her in his love not in mine the gospel finally separates and I, I just want to nail this one down this is putting the parentheses on the end the gospel separates mankind into two groups and we can't get away from this. The gospel separates mankind into two groups. And I want to give you those two groups real quick so that I can kind of wrap it up and we don't have to uh, prolong anything. One group, those that are not ashamed of the gospel. He separates us in 
mankind into two groups, those that are not ashamed of the gospel and then those that are not ashamed of sin. Those that are not ashamed of the gospel and those that are not ashamed of sin. Romans 6.21 says, What fruit did you have then in these things in which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Same word in the Greek. As a matter of fact, it's in nine particular verses in the Bible. I'm going to read a few more than nine verses, but I won't read all nine verses that that word is in because three of them are redundant because they're in three different Gospels. But that word ashamed, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the Gospel. In 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 through 16 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, he says, for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He says, hold fast the pattern of sound works which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus the good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells. And then he says there are some that did not, that were ashamed of him and did not help him and did not support him. Then he says there's some that did support me. And he says of them, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. You know, it's amazing, isn't it, how the Lord's house is so broken at times, so divided at times. I think something that would do us good is to do what the Bible says, to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, so that soldiers of the cross that you go, you're in partnership with, in community with, in, in, in a church family, would never have to have a legitimate reason to be ashamed of you. But then on the other side of things, we need to learn how to do life together so that when one of us does stumble, that we will surround that person, come to that person, and counsel and love on that person with the Word of God and with the love of God, realizing that were it not for God, we would be in the same situation. And that we could easily be in a shape tomorrow. I used the illustration of the fact, because I used Todd, I'll just use him again, because he can take it. But I, have, I, I, do, I know of no testimony since I have known him for over 14 years now to where he has ever taken anything that does not belong to him. But if I was to ever hear a testimony... Or know of something in his life. And I go to him and I say, Brother, I, I heard that this happened. How can I help? Because we know the scriptures say that this is not cool. Have you made things right yet? You know, with the Lord first. And then do you need to make things right with anybody else? And if he was to say, 
no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to make it right. I'm not going to restore things. I'm not, I'm, no. And he keeps on, no, no, no. What do we do? What do we do? You see, that is one of the looming problems of the day is that we want to sweep things under the rug because we don't want to deal with what it takes to deal with it. And it's not our righteousness that we're dealing with it in. I want you to hear my heart. It has to be the fact that we understand <coughs> the heart of God and the things that make displeases the heart of God should displease us, not because of who we are and not because of what we think, but because of what he says. I'll give you a good illustration of that. And don't just remember, Todd ain't done that. I'm just, he's not done that. There was a time in my life when I thought homosexuality was nasty and wrong. And I lived my life for a long time believing that off of what I was told. Not what I was shown, not what I read, but what I was told. And I developed a, I developed a, a, a thing in me that I had a push away from those people because of the, that I was told it was nasty. But nobody ever took me to the Bible. You with me? And showed me what the Bible said. The end result is so different. I still now believe that it's wrong. Why? Because the Bible says it's wrong. Not because some family member of mine said it was wrong. Not because some friend of mine said it was wrong. Because on, that is only justified in the righteousness of people. But if God says that it's wrong, and I see it, then now the righteous judge of the universe says that it's wrong. And now I'm not saying it's wrong. God says it's wrong. Same way God says about backbiters. Y'all with me? Haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice. Romans chapter 1 is not just about women burning for women and men burning in lust for men. It's about every one of us. Every sin that, 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 that's out there. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's all there. And what, what I'm trying to get you to grab a hold of is that God is... He, he separates. There are either people who are not ashamed of the gospel, those that he has saved and redeemed, or there are people who are not ashamed of sin and will continue on until they're saved or until they're judged, which their judgment is already on them. I said until they're judged, they're already judged. Did you know that you don't have to choose to go to hell? Everybody's headed there to begin with. All have sinned fall short of the glory of God. You don't have to get to a place in your life and say, you know what, I, I think I'm just going to choose hell. No, you're headed there without Christ. What you choose is to believe in Christ, to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
Hebrews 2.11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to be called, to call them brethren. Luke 9.26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my word, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his Father's and of the holy angels. Same word. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And sinful, unrepentant, unregenerate people say, I'm not ashamed of sin. And God's the only one that can change it. And, and I wonder, just a couple of things. What, what will you do in your lifetime with the gospel? We've created a culture where we live unto ourselves. We live for ourselves. When we have a commission from God that we must go. I've told you before, I could live off the grid all but one reason. I can't see how I can take the gospel, do the great commission, if I'm all by myself in the woods. What are we going to do with the gospel in our lifetimes? And the time's ticking. What will we do with it? And then, has the gospel changed your life? Are you saved today? Is Christ your, your Lord and Savior? Have, is your faith, your belief is in Him? And if it is, do you have unrepentant sin in your life? Those, those are a lot of questions that we need to deal with, I think, on a regular basis in our lives. I want you to stand with me for just a moment. And as you stand, I wonder if, if you would just ponder on those, those questions just a moment. Where are you at with the gospel? Where are you at as far as your salvation? Are you lost today? Are, are, let me ask you this, just out of our text, so we'll put it this way. Have you had your life's testimony be that you, have, you're, you live in sin and you have continued to live in sin and you've not, there's not a change unless the gospel is being preached to you? In other words, there's not a recognition of it. I don't say a change, but you, it's like, man, he's got me in his sights. Can I tell you that's one of the most precious things that there is in the world, to know that the King of glory is focused on you at this moment. But I want you to know that He was focused on you before you were ever born. Ephesians 1 tells us that we've been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. That God in eternity past was thinking about you when He planned to send Jesus Christ to the cross. Before your mom and daddy ever had a twinkle in their eye, he knew you. And, and he sent Christ to die for you on the cross. What will you do with that today? If you know that you're lost, will you be saved today? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? And, and, and in that, I just want to say, if that's you right where you're at, I don't want you to put any faith in a prayer that I pray with you or that I pray or anything like that. This is something you need to do with the Lord but I can at least tell you what the scriptures tell us to do. 
that we need to do just what Jesus said, repent and believe and follow. That we repent. We, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm acknowledging that before you today, and I, I'm, 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 turn, I'm wanting to, to, to be freed from that lifestyle. And I'm putting my faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross where he died for my sins. And that he was put in a tomb, just as the Bible says, and he arose on the third day, just like the Bible says. And he's alive today. And I, I, want, I want to put my faith in Christ. I'm trusting him for my, my eternity, and I want to follow him from this day forward. And the Bible says God will begin a regenerative work in your life. He's going to change you. And your life will never, ever, ever be the same. And if you're a child of God today and you're struggling with things, I want you to know that I pray for you. And I want to encourage you in this, that if you do have pressure in the workplace and in your family and in society to just denounce Christ, that you can talk about religion, you can talk about recovery stuff, you can talk about all the things you want to talk about, but you just don't name Christ. Can I encourage you? If you will stay steadfast and trust Him, never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed of God begging bread. You may not have all that you want, but you'll have everything that God wants you to have. I promise you that. And He'll take care of you because He says He will. I'm, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. I, I encourage you, if you can come to this altar, you pray. We'll, we'll pray with you if you need us to pray with you. But, and then also, you, if for salvation goes, you can come down. But I'll stay until the last person's done because so, I don't want you to leave here if you've made a decision for Christ because I want to encourage you in the next step. That's believer's baptism. And then I want to encourage you to the next step after that. That is to get in a discipleship program so that you might grow and not just wane around drinking milk when you should be eating meat. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for your grace. Thank you, Father, for the word. I thank you for the gospel. And Lord, there may even be people online, Lord, that come to, are coming to faith in Christ today. They're believing to follow Jesus Christ today. Would you, would you just draw them to a phone or a type of message or something to let us know so that we might follow up with them God would you allow us today to, to not rush things but minister like we need to but but let you do the work that you do so well God and only you can in Christ's name Amen Thank you for listening you can reach us at life at crc.org